Ephesians chapter number two, if you're there, say amen. The Bible says, and you hath he quickened who are dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our flesh, or excuse me, had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in, his, rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore, remember that ye being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off were made nigh by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make it himself twain one new man, so making peace and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. And came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them which, are not, which were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto, all, uh, unto an holy temple in the Lord in whom ye also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Let's pray to Heavenly Father. Lord, we thank you again for this evening. Thank you, Lord, for being so good to us. Thank you for your grace and thank you for mercy. And I just pray, Lord, tonight, just for the next few minutes, God, that you'd hide me behind the cross of Calvary. God, would you me out of myself, Lord, and fill me with your Spirit, God. I pray, Lord, tonight we don't purpose. Listen, not just what the preacher's saying tonight, but what the word of God is telling us, Lord, because I can get sideways, Lord, I can get messed up. But, Lord, I'm so thankful tonight, Lord, the word of God is forever settled in heaven. It is eternally true and always right, Lord. And help us tonight, Lord, just to glean, God, from the very words of God tonight. Lord, we love you. We thank you, God. We pray for these requests that were made at the beginning of the service, Lord. And I pray, Lord, for Miss Holly tonight, Lord, as she'll be heading there uh, with her husband, Lord, in that situation. God, I pray, Lord, you'd give her boldness. But I also pray, Lord, that you'd just begin to soften hearts tonight, Lord, and just, God, do a work, Lord, and pray for those that are traveling. And, God, for those other needs that were mentioned tonight, God, I'm thankful, Lord, that you're going to handle all of them. Lord, not a single one of them is too much for you to do. Lord, we ask you tonight, Lord, you just help us, help us to leave out of here different the way we walked in tonight. God, Lord, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name we pray, amen 
and amen. We started last week going through the book of Ephesians. We covered chapter number one uh, last week on our Wednesday night service, and tonight we'll be covering chapter number two. But we, 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 we introduced it last week and, and how the, the letter of this epistle to the church at Ephesus is different from the other ones that Paul writes or that God uses Paul to write in that it doesn't deal with anything specifically that is taking place within the church of Ephesus, we know when he writes to the church of Corinthians or at the church of Corinth, he, he deals with some specific sins and issues that are taking place there in the church of Corinth and Galatians the same as well and some of his other epistles that way. But here in Ephesians, Paul, under this inspiration of the Holy Ghost, would present great truths to this church, but it wasn't just here's what the truth is. Paul then takes and he explains why it's truth and how it came to be truth or how it is truth and then how that a truth applies to us. Last week we read through chapter number one and we've seen that phrase in Christ, in him, in the beloved, in the Lord. We've seen it over and over again and we've seen that great truth. How many glad tonight that as a born again child of God we are in Christ tonight. We are in him tonight and he is in us. But then he explained how Christ got in us and how Christ became our savior. But then he goes on, what can I now do that I am in Christ? And chapter number two tonight follows that same pattern. Tonight there is a truth that will be presented. There is a truth that will be explained. And then there's a truth that is applied to every believer tonight. And now here's the thing tonight. I don't know what you think about when you hear Ephesians chapter number two, but tonight when somebody says Ephesians chapter number two, my mind instantly goes to verse number eight. For by grace are you saved through faith. It is the gift of God, or it's not, not that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, as any man should boast, is verse number nine. But that's where my mind instantly goes. Matter of fact, it's on the back of my car tonight. For by grace are ye saved. And tonight, Paul, as he's explaining these truths to the church at Ephesus, I think chapter number two, the great truth here that is presented to us is this truth, by grace. By grace tonight. Well, so preacher, uh, it's mentioned twice, once in verse number five. Look what it says. Even when you were dead in sins, hath quickened us together by grace ye are saved. That proclaims the truth. Listen tonight, if you're a saved child of God tonight, you didn't get in because you're good works. You didn't get in because mom and daddy got in. You didn't get in because the preacher said you're in. You got in by grace tonight. You got in by the grace of God. There is that proclamation. You are saved by grace. But then verse number eight takes it another step further. For by grace are you saved through faith. It explains the process tonight of how you and I got saved by the grace of God. There was an activation of faith tonight. We took God at his word. But we said, preacher, what is grace? Now, if you look it up, the, 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 the dictionary definition of it is unmerited favor or undeserved kindness. And to be honest with you tonight, I don't disagree with any one of those definitions tonight. What I've got and what God has given to me, I, I can look back at the entirety of my life and my actions and my choices and I can't find a single thing in my past nor really in my present that says I deserve to be saved. Everything I have tonight, whether it's good and whether it's great, it is because of the grace of God tonight. But I remember hearing an acrostic, and I really love this acrostic. It explains grace in a wonderful way. It is God's riches at Christ's expense. 
that you and I tonight, because we get to enjoy things like peace and joy and contentment and things that you cannot find in the world tonight, the only reason why you and I get to enjoy the goodness of God is because Christ paid a debt he did not owe tonight. And so we're going to look at this thought tonight that, that, that tonight the, the only way somebody can be saved is by grace and the only way the Christian life really can be lived tonight is by grace. And so just for a few minutes tonight, let's break down this great truth of by grace. I believe every Christian can better appreciate the grace of God by studying out these following truths. I got three of them tonight, just like we had last week. Notice number one tonight, what grace saved us from? What grace saved us from? Verse number one through three, and then we'll look at verses 11 and 12. But the decision to be between doing just simply a touch-up on a job and a complete renovation, it all depends on the condition of the existing uh, building, existing project tonight. There's some things around the church tonight that all we need to do is grab a couple uh, uh, paint brushes and a can of paint, and we can make it look a whole lot better. But there's some things in the church tonight, if we're going to fix them and we're going to fix them right, we're going to have to tear it all the way down to the studs. When we fix the house that we're living in now. It wasn't, we couldn't walk in there with just a couple cans of paint, a little paintbrush and, and, and paint over the holes in the walls and paint over the floor that was missing tonight. It had to go all the way down to the studs tonight. When it came to me and you as sinners, as those who, who are outside of salvation tonight, when God saved us, he didn't just touch us up. He didn't just do a patch up here and there. God took us all the way down and, and brought us up as a complete new creature tonight. We are saved by grace. Notice, well, what when it comes to grace, we didn't need a little touch up. We are completely and totally condemned tonight. Notice our condition in verse number one. Look at verse number one of Ephesians chapter number two. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Here's the thing that we like to think we were dying in a sinful state. And no doubt when it comes to the physicality of life, yes, we are born. The moment we're born, we begin to die. Right, it is that process of life that we're going through and we, and we think that oh, I, I got time right now, I'm just dying in a sinful state. But the reality is that you and I, before salvation, before the grace of God was applied to our life, we weren't just dying of sin. We were already dead in sin and trespasses. And I, we were already, no preacher, I wasn't. I was alive. My heart was beating and, and I could walk and I could breathe and I, and I could live my life. But the reality is the spirit that which is inside of you tonight was completely and totally dead. Well, preacher, how do you know that? We were already dead in our trespasses. Well, 1 John 5, 12, John puts it this way. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. If Jesus does not dwell inside of you tonight, if he has not uh, saved you tonight, if he does not indwell you this evening, then the truth of the matter is you do not have life. You are dead. And that which doesn't have life is dead. And then it goes on in, in, in Romans chapter number five, verse number 12, wherefore, well, preacher, why were you and I born dead? Wherefore, by one man sin entered into the world, in death by sin, in death passed upon all men, for all, for that all have sinned tonight. We were born in a dead state. Our condition, he said, you have to quicken who were dead, not that you were dying, but you were already dead in your trespasses and sin. Now, here's the thing tonight. You and I can't do much with dead things. Right? There's not much we can do 
with dead things. But the reality is God is the only one that can take something dead and make it completely alive. Again, but notice here our condition, we were dead. But then notice verse number two tonight. Notice our wrong course. Look at verse number two. Where in times past, you walked however you wanted to. You walked doing your own thing. No, what's the Bible say? You walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. And the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. You see, a lot of people will say things like this. Well, listen, I, I mean, I ain't all for that Christianity. I like living my life my own way, doing my own thing, how I want to do it, when I want to do it. The truth of the matter is, you're not doing it your own way. You're not even doing it how you want to do it. How do you know? Look at Ephesians. Walked according to the course of the world, of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Notice the guidelines we were walking to. We are walking the course of this world. We are walking just like everybody else does. I'm my own individual. I'm unique. I'm all this kind of stuff. The reality is before I got saved, I was just walking like everybody else is walking. There was nothing unique about that situation. But according to the prince of the power there, who's that Satan? Here's the thing tonight. I I looked that word according up. And and we, 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 we understand in our modern day uh, language as a guideline, as, as, as you're walking according to the rules and according to the path. But I looked that word according up and I, I came across this definition. Here's what it says tonight. It says, from a higher to a lower. In essence, there is one who is, who is above us tonight. There's one who is, who is over us and, and they are commanding us and they are telling us how to walk. But then it says it's from a higher to a lower, but alone. But alone, here's the thing tonight, Satan will draw out your path. And Satan will, will, will tell you what to do and how to do it and, and where to go and how to fit in and how to be happy and, and how to have all that the world has to offer. And then when it falls apart, he leaves you alone. But aren't you glad tonight as a born-again child of God, you've never walked one day alone. God says, I want you to do this. Here's how I want you to walk. Here's how I want you to live. Here's how I want you to talk. But at the same time, he's not just telling us what to do, but he's down here walking with us tonight. And so we see we're on the wrong course. But then notice also our former conversation. Look at verse number three. Among whom also we all had our conversation in the times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our of the flesh and of the mind, and we're by the nature of children of wrath, even as others. Now that's, that's a, we think, preacher, I didn't talk like that. I didn't have those kind of conversations. That word conversation in your Bible means your lifestyle, how you lived, and whether we like to admit it to not, and, and I'm, I'm just like you. There's things that I, I did prior to my salvation that I'm ashamed to admit, and I don't like talking about it. I don't enjoy conversating about it and telling people about it because the reality is before I got saved, my life was filled by my flesh. I did whatever I wanted to do, and, 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 and if it felt good, if it hurt people, then, then, then so be it as long as I got what I wanted. And can I say tonight, that, that, that mentality is not new to man. That mentality is going back to verse number two. That is the mentality of Satan himself. He just wants what he wants. Defined by wrath, it's filled by the flesh. Then verse number 11 and 12 shows us our pitiful position. Look at verse 11, wherefore remember that ye being in times past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision, 
is in the flesh made by hands. That at the time you were without Christ, one, we were out God, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. In essence, we weren't part of God's chosen people. And strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Well, we see how, how, how our condition, we're dead in our trespass sin, we're going the wrong way, we're doing the wrong things. And then we don't have the promise that God gave to Israel. God, because we understand tonight when you read your Bible and you study it out, that Christ came to redeem, and eventually, yes, all of man was in there tonight, but he came into his own, and his own received him not. He was that promise that was given back to, to Adam in the book of Genesis that went down to Abraham, that went down to Noah and down to David. But to be honest with you tonight, me and you, those who of us are Gentiles, who are not part of that commonwealth of Israel, we were all, we were in a terrible condition. We had no promise to go off of. We had no hope to cling to because of, of, of our position tonight. And now I've got to clarify this tonight. I do not believe in replacement theology. What is that, preacher? There are some out there teaching. Stephen Anderson's one of them, the new independent fundamental movement. They're teaching that when you get saved, that, that all that God promised to Israel, he's now promised to you. You've got, you got to clearly define things tonight. When I got saved, I didn't become a part of the nation of Israel. I became part of the church, the bride of Christ. And I understand tonight, and it's a lot to get into. We won't get into everything tonight. But God's chosen people are Israel, but the bride of Christ tonight is the church. We have to keep that in context tonight. So I'm not looking for what the nation of Israel is looking for now. I'm looking for Christ. I'm looking for come up hither. I'm looking for welcome home. I'm looking for the trumpet to sound tonight. I'm not looking for all that they might be looking for. I'm looking for Christ tonight. There's this movement out that everybody wants to figure out who the Antichrist is. I don't want to, I really don't care who it is tonight. It could be the president of France. I can't remember his name, but all that's come to my mind is Macaroon. That's not it. Could be Barack Obama. It could be Joe Biden. It could, some even think it's Donald Trump tonight. Can I say, I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for the Christ tonight. <laughs> Book of Acts. Them fellows is all upset. Hey, he's looking at the sky. Jesus just left. The angels say, well, why do y'all look so sad? What's wrong with y'all? The Lord just left. And they said, well, that same Jesus, that same Lord one day will return tonight. I, we ought to be looking for Christ tonight. Why? Because the Antichrist didn't pull me out of my position. The Antichrist didn't change my condition. The Antichrist didn't do anything for me tonight, but the Lord Jesus Christ did. Well, preacher, how did he get you from where you, where you were to where you are now? By grace. By grace are you saved tonight. There was a little old lady. She was uh, attending a, a, a camp meeting. And uh, as the preacher was preaching, she felt the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. And she came forward and the preacher began to deal with her. And he said, ma'am, well, well, why have you come forward? He said, she said, I, I feel like I need to get saved. He said, well, praise the Lord. I, oh, it's, it's a simple process. And she, he began to explain salvation to her and how to get saved. And he said, ma'am, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray. And I want you to pray along these lines. He said, I'll pray and then, you, you, you just, you, you, you best you know how, pray to the Lord. He said, here's what I want you to say. Dear Lord, I'm a terrible sinner. I'm a downright rotten sinner. She didn't say anything. He thought, well, maybe she's praying inside. He said, ma'am, just, just please repeat after me the best you know how. 
Lord, I'm a terrible, low-down sinner. She didn't say anything. He said, ma'am, what's, what's the matter? What's wrong? She said, I ain't that kind of sinner. I'm a sinner, but I ain't that bad. Can I say tonight, whether we like to admit it or not, none of us, there's no such thing as a good sinner. Right in the eyes of God tonight, there's no such thing as that tonight. And we have to come to that realization, boy, I am in verse number one. Or I was in verse number one. I was dead in my trespasses and sins. But aren't you glad tonight the grace of God saved you from who and where you used to be? It's completely changed you. Notice what grace saved us from tonight. But then notice how grace saved us. See, there's the proclamation. For by grace are you saved. And Paul says, let me tell you how you got saved. Let me tell you how grace saved you. The easy answer, well, through faith. Amen. Ephesians 2 8 says it right there. For by grace are you saved through faith. Could make this a really point, a really, really short point tonight. You just got saved by grace through faith. Amen. Go home. Rejoice over that tonight. Well, that's not what we're going to do. Because a little explanation will bring about a great amount of enjoyment tonight. When you begin to dissect what exactly that means, that phrase, through faith tonight. By it means by that word through means by the means of. Or on the account of. That word faith means conviction of truth. Or believing the truth. And so tonight, when you and I got saved by the grace of God through faith, that action of faith is not a work. Right? There's, there's Calvinists who say, well, there's no way you could choose because and then it becomes a work to not know. When you and I, by faith, believe what Christ has already done, we are agreeing with what God and the Lord has already, it's not a work on our part. We're just through faith. We are, we are trusting what God has done. But notice here that salvation, salvation tonight is by grace through faith. You and I believing the account of God. Well, what is that account? One, salvation is based on God's love for us. Look at verse number four tonight of Ephesians chapter number two. But God, how many, how many glad for that? Just, we could just stop right there, amen? <laughs> but God, I was going to hell. But God, my life was falling apart. But God, my home was falling apart. But God, the church was falling apart. But God, how many glad tonight that God knows exactly when to butt in tonight? But God, who is in, rich in mercy for his great love wherewith, he loved us, even when we were dead in sins. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. But God, the phrase, that's a phrase of part of everybody's testimony. In essence, if you got saved by the grace of God, then somewhere in your life, there is a but God moment. <laughs> I was on my way, I was just going to church. I just thought that might be the right thing to do. And my life was falling apart. And then the preacher preached, the gospel explained. But God showed up and helped me with my greatest need. For his great love, wherein he hath loved us, we see it in John three sixteen. for God so loved the world, right? That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. First John 3, 1, behold, what manner of love that the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Not because we did something good, not because we, we, we have amounted to anything, because the next verse, verse number five, tells us right there, we, even when we were dead, and sin, we didn't have any thought, we're dead, amen? When's the last time you went to go talk to a dead person and they offered you something back? 
Right? That would be a, that'd be a, a, a terrible situation. A, a, but notice here tonight, notice verse number five, he loved us before we were saved. Right? He loved us before we were saved. In essence, God didn't start loving you when you got saved. God, for, he so loved the world with his great love that he loved even when we were dead in our sins. Romans chapter 5, or somewhere in the book of Romans tells us tonight that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Right? He, he didn't wait for us to learn to love him. No, he showed us what love was through his example. And here's the thing tonight. If you love us before we were saved, salvation, salvation would have to be works-based. We'd have to earn God's love. Right? If it wasn't prior, if he didn't love us prior to our salvation and only after our salvation, well, we just earned his love. But we know tonight, yes, salvation is based on God's love for us, but also salvation is a gift of God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 8, for by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God tonight, not of works, lest any man should boast. There's two phrases in there that we got to key in tonight, that not of yourselves. Right, in essence tonight, uh, salvation is a gift from God. You didn't look at God and say, you know what, God, I think I got a good gift that you should give me. You ought to give me salvation, Lord. I need it. I, I'm in, I, I need it. It is, it is all, it's my only hope tonight. In essence, in essence salvation tonight is not self-realized. We're not self-made up tonight. When I got saved, you know what led to me getting saved? The Holy Spirit convicting my heart. Saying, hey, you need to get saved right now. I'm dealing with your heart. I'm dealing with you. And that's, it's not a, a self-realized thing. You don't just wake up one day and say, you know what, I ain't got nothing else better to do. Then we'll get saved today. Right, the Holy Spirit draws. We know that the natural man understandeth not the things of God tonight. But when the Holy Spirit begins to, to deal with your heart, and how many, I've heard people testify to this one. They said, I, I didn't realize at the time what was going on, but I, I now know it's the, it was the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. I just felt like I needed to do something. I needed to be somewhere. I, I needed to go to church. I, I needed to go talk to somebody. What is it? That's the Holy Spirit working in someone's life. So it's not of yourselves tonight, but it's also not of works. You couldn't do anything good enough. <laughs> oh yeah, we got men in here that work hard. We got men in here who, who break a sweat and, and, and bleed and, and, and do all that kind of hard work, but none of it's good enough. None of it tonight was good enough. Why? It's a gift. Here's the thing tonight, you don't earn gifts. You receive them. <laughs> you receive them. Now, I don't know how you do it at your house, but at our house, I don't charge my kids for Christmas gifts. That might be a good idea. <laughs> what you think about it, TR? Should I charge you for Christmas gifts? No. Right? They're gifts. It is me out of the love of a father and the love of the mother. We are giving them to them. All they have to do is receive it. Now, it would break my heart that if I went through all of that to give them a gift and they just sat there wrapped up. Oh, they're missing out on such an experience. They're missing out on such joy and excitement. And they just reject it tonight. Salvation is a gift of God. You receive gifts. It's based on God's love for us. But notice this, salvation was accomplished by the finished work of Christ. Look at verse number 13 tonight. But now in Christ, that sounds a lot like verse chapter number one, doesn't it? But now in Christ, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood 
of Christ. How did we get in? Well, by grace. Well, how was that accomplished? How did God express grace to us? He sent his son to die for us and shed his blood to pay that sin that all of us owe tonight for without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins, but my blood wasn't good enough. Your blood wasn't good enough. And God, by grace, sent his son to die in our place tonight. So it's, a, it's accomplished by the finished work of Christ. So now, I wrote it down in my notes, you can only get in through Jesus. But when you get in through Jesus, you get in, in, amen? Now, we all know tonight, when you double a word up, it means something real, real good, amen? That food wasn't just good, it was good, good. I'm glad tonight when I got in, I didn't get halfway in, I didn't get somewhat in. I'm not standing out there on the, on the outside halfway in and out. No, I got in, in tonight because of the blood of Christ. Amen, you only get in through Jesus, but when you get in, you get in, in. <laughs> Someone will say, what did your preacher preach about? In, in. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep going. Verse number 14, for he is our peace. See, it's accomplished through Christ. And when we accept the free gift of the finished work of Christ, we get something that you can't find in the world, peace. They're crying in the streets, peace, peace. They're negotiating, they're, 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 they're compromising to, to bring peace in this world and you can't find it. There's only one source of real peace and it comes from God this evening. Verse number 14, he's our peace. Well, how? He hath made, one, he hath made both one, hath broken down the middle wall of perdition between us, having abolished in the flesh the enmity, even the law of the commandments contained in ordinances to make it himself a twain, one new man so making peace. Not only do we have the peace of God, but we're at peace with God. But notice verse number 16, the finished work of Christ, he reconciled us. Look at verse number 16, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity, Thereby, now understanding tonight when Paul's addressing this, he's dealing with the Jews and he's dealing with the Gentiles. And right now in the time and the age that we live in tonight, how does someone get the assurance of going to heaven? It is not by keeping the law. It is not by doing what was commanded in the Old Testament. It is by putting your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. The same way tonight that I got in is the same way a Jew gets in tonight. Amen, we understand that to be true this evening. But here, we see that he's also reconciled us. One, not who? Man to God tonight. Now, I look that word reconcile up because I always think it in just, you know, you, you have a problem and two people come together and they reconcile their differences. And everybody sings kumbaya and everybody's happy. But I found across, came across this, this definition. It means to take one who is separated and bring them in to favor through an exchange. And so tonight, me and you are reconciled unto God. Once again, not because what we did. Why? It's a gift to God. And the gift of God is the finished work of Christ on Calvary. And so tonight, me and you are reconciled unto God, not because of what we've done, but we are brought, who were separated from God, are now brought into favor with God through an exchange. What? Christ gave himself for us. He died on the cross. He paid the debt for us tonight. But verse number 17 and 18, through the finished work of Christ, we get access. Look at verse number 17. And came and preached peace, uh, to you which are afar off and to them which are nigh, and through him you both have access by one spirit unto the Father. A little boy standing outside the palace walls and just wanted to see the king. That was his dream. That was it. I just want to see the king. And every day he'd show up, he'd tell that guard, I, I need to go see the king. I want to go see the king. And the guard said, well, where's your royal slip? Where's your permission? He said, I don't have one of those. I just want to see the king. He said, well, you can't get in until you have one of those. 
So he'd come every day and say, I just want to see the king. I, I really would like to meet the king and talk to the king. And every day he was rejected, told to leave, get out, scram, stay away from us. And then one day he was standing out there and a man grabbed him by the hand. And they, they, he just began to walk with them. And before you know it, he didn't have to say anything. The gates opened up. The guard said, how are you doing? So glad to see you. Right this way. And he thought this has never happened like this. And he said he began to walk all the way into the palace, all the way into the, 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 the innermost chambers. And there he seen eye to eye the very king that he longed to see. So preacher, how did he get in? How did he just walk past the guards? How did the doors just open up? Well, one day, the son came in and grabbed that young man by the hand. He was the prince. and said, I heard you want to go see the king. You just got to come with me. And I, can know, I know how to get you there this evening. Notice here tonight, let's think about it this way. I, grace is a wonderful thing to try to explain tonight. But sometimes because it's depth and it's dimensions, it's hard to explain and fully comprehend tonight to understand what it really means to get in by grace. One way to explain it, though, I was read this in a book uh, earlier this week. It said one way to explain it, though, is the story of a man and his family eating a meal alone evening, one evening at dinner. All is calm and quiet, and the family discussing the events of the day. Suddenly, through the front door, a man burst in with a knife and in his hand and tells the family to remain seated and turn over the valuables. The son of the family rises to defend his family, and the intruder stabs him through the heart. The thief then bolts from the house through the front door without any valuables while the son of the father bleeds and dies on the wooden table. The scenario could be played out several ways tonight. But to see what grace is, you kind of see what everything else is. For instance, the father of the family rises, chases the murderer and tackles him to the ground. He wrestles the knife from his hand and, of the thief and stabs the thief in the heart for killing his son. That would be revenge. Another scenario might be that the father of the family chases the murderer and tackles him. If he wrestles the knife from the hands of the thief and screams to the neighbors who had scrambled out of their houses, call the police, that would be called justice. Another possible scene might be that the father of the family rises, chases the murderer, and tackles him. If he wrestles the knife from the hands of the criminal and said, I forgive you for killing my son, that would be forgiveness. One scenario might be that the father of the family rises, chases the murderer out the door, and tackles him. He wrestles the knife from his hands and fell in and says, I forgive you. Would you come home with me and be my son since you killed my son? Would you come home and be my son and eat my son's food and wear my son's clothes? Would you come to my home and be my son and live in my house as my son? That would be grace. That's what you and I got tonight when we got saved by the grace of God. Aren't you glad tonight that you're saved? by the grace of God tonight. Then notice number three tonight, what grace has saved us to. We see where grace brought us from and we see how grace exactly did it. Did it through the finished work of Christ, the love of God. And then finally tonight, we'll see what grace has saved us to. Oftentimes, like we've talked about for the majority of service tonight, we think of grace as one side. It's evangelistic. It is you and I getting saved by the grace of God and there's nothing wrong with that tonight. But if we only limit grace to that aspect tonight, we are not doing it. It's right service this evening. See, there's the grace of God does more than just save us tonight. Well, what does the grace of God do for us, preacher? Well, it entitles us. Look at verse number six of chapter number two. It hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ 
Jesus. Now, tonight, you're gonna take the word of God for what it says. Somehow, by God's power and God's mind, tonight, my finite mind can't understand it, you and I that are saved by the grace of God while we're struggling down here, while we're, we're fighting down here, while we're, we're seemingly trying our best to just tread water and stay afloat down here, we're already seated in heavenly places. We are already there. But look at verse number six right there. There's a phrase in there that I studied out and it blessed my socks off, so I had to put new ones on. Look at verse number six. It made us sit together. Now, let me ask you tonight, when you make somebody do something, <laughs> how many parents ever made your kids do something? That it involves yelling sometimes. It involves forceful speech. It involves the putting of your hands on them to put them where you, you made them. Now let me ask you tonight, when you got saved by the grace of God, did God come to where you are, grab you and force you into heaven? The sit in heavenly places? Did he, did he, you better go to heaven. That's not what God did. That's the wrong definition of made us. That phrase rather is not a forcing, but a fitting. But a fitting tonight. What do you mean by that? He, when he saved you, there was a place in heaven that he made just for you. It is fit for you tonight, and you are fit for it. <laughs> we didn't earn the position. God made it for us tonight. See, that's why, I, listen, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't try to be ugly, but when I, when I see something wrong, and I, and I see something that I, I know biblically isn't right, I'm gonna stand up against it, amen? That's why I don't agree with you can lose your salvation because you're already seated in the heavenly places. Preacher, how, if you're already there, how can you leave? And there's some that will say, well, what about, that? what about that man in the parable that Jesus talked about in Matthew 22 who was at the king's table and then was removed and cast in outer darkness? Why? I mean, if that could happen to him, it could happen to anybody, right? No. You gotta go back and read the whole account. That man was at the table, but he wasn't in a robe. The king had made for him. Can I say tonight, tonight, if you're covered in what God has made for you, there ain't no getting out of it tonight. <laughs> See, the grace of God, it entitles, I'm already seated in heavenly places tonight. People might tell you to go somewhere else, tell them I can't, I'm already in heaven. <laughs> They'll like that a lot, amen? That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. But we're already there. <laughs> and we're down here, we... we we try to figure out the grace of God. We try to explain the grace of God. We try to uh, share the grace of God and tell people how great the grace of God. How many of y'all struggle for words sometimes? <laughs> Trying to explain it. Can I say tonight, you'll get over there, verse number seven, the age of, he might show the exceeding riches. What we enjoy already down here. What little I understand and grasp, I sure do enjoy. But there's coming a day where he's gonna roll everything back and I'm gonna say, it's, that's a whole lot more than I realized. <laughs> that's how great it really is. So the grace of God entitles us. But notice verses 19 through 22, the grace of God also enables us. It enables us in verse number 19 tonight. Well, what, what does the grace of God enable us to do? Well, it enables us to have real fellowship. Look at verse number 19. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints in the household of God. <laughs> I grew up in church. 
in Catholic church and we'd go to service and we'd do all of that and we'd have fun and we'd, we'd play games and different things like that. But we never had a Wednesday night, Wednesday night service like we have here. We've never had a, a testimony service like we've had here. Remember one time somebody raised their hand and said, I just want to thank the Lord for saving me. I want to thank the Lord for being faithful to me. I want to thank the Lord for taking care of me. Boy, I tell you what, I love them services because you can only have that kind of service with born-again believers, with those who've been saved by the grace of God. Why? It enables us to have real fellowship with fellow believers. It also enables us to grow as a Christian. Look at verse number 20. And build upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone, chief cornerstone. Paul would say, hey, listen, what we're telling you is the word of God. What we're telling you and teaching is the right thing. And Paul said, we're laying a foundation, but really we're just laying on a foundation that's already been laid. And so we see tonight that grace enables us to grow as a Christian on the foundation that's been given to us. But also, grace enables us to find our perfect place in Christ. Verse 21, in whom all the building fitly framed together, growth unto holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. People have come through here and started going here and they'll say something like, I just feel like I fit in here. I didn't approach you at the door and say, listen, I've got 75 questions that I'm going to need you to answer so I know where you'll fit in here. <laughs> I might not, nah, that probably wouldn't be a good idea to do. Preacher, why do, I, why do I feel like I just fit in here? It's the grace of God that enables you to find where God wants you to be and before, I just fit in here. <laughs> it's, it's not because I'm a great people person. I know how to put people where they're supposed to be. And, and, and the truth of the matter is when I get in the way, when I start putting people where they're supposed to be, they're not supposed to be there. <laughs> but notice here tonight that the grace of God enables us to find the perfect place, our perfect place in Christ, in whom you also were built up together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. And when we're fitly framed together, built together tonight, is a place where God abides and God inhabits tonight. Let me ask you, do you experience, does you, did your experience with grace stop at the moment you got saved? I got in by grace, preacher. Praise the Lord. But are you allowing God's grace to have its perfect work in your life tonight? Grace brought us from where we were and it was by the grace of God that he sent his son to die for us. But also not grace has a continuing work in our life tonight. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again.